You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. talk about the last message in this series, Why Do I Need the Church? This has been a really challenging series for me. Uh, We've been dealing with some hard questions and questions that I didn't really want to talk about and maybe questions you didn't want to think about. I hope you're wrestling with those questions and today uh, I just want to acknowledge it's a privilege for me to be a part of a really good preaching team, Uh, a team that's very challenging, a team that collaborates well And we all have different gifts in the way in which we preach. You know, when you get uh, Dr. Leininger, when you get Jason, you're going to get insights. I mean, it's just like you walk and you push a button on Jason, and there's five insights. I'm kidding you. It's just come right out. When you have David Freeman preaching, I mean, he's a walking metaphor himself. You know, he he is a great communicator, and he's got uh, a book coming out. I can't wait to read that book that's coming out uh, in the next few months. When you get Jake, you get passion. I mean, sometimes I think when Jake gets going, he's going to disintegrate right in front of our very eyes. You know, it's like, oh, there he goes, he's gone. But when he gets that way, he doesn't have a clue what he's going to say next, which is usually when God really says something really, really cool. I had the audacity to ask a member of our church this week, well, what about me? And she said, well, Bob, when we get you, it's kind of like a comfortable old shoe. Well, I didn't know how to take that, but I took it as a compliment. So, Lord, use this comfortable old shoe and do some real soul work in our life today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why do we need the church? Why do I need the church? There's a lot of false narratives, or what I think are false narratives, but very popular narratives today on why I don't need the church. One is that uh, I am I'm strong and self-sufficient. I'm an individual. I got my act together. And, and what's more, the church is irrelevant to my life. And the reality is that we're living in a time and culture where most children today are being raised where there is no Christian memory or no church memory. I mean, the majority of families today, the younger you are, the more likely it is that The church is not only irrelevant, it's not even on your radar. And and I get that. Another reason why some people say they don't need the church, well, the church is hypocritical and judgmental, self-serving, caring only about itself. Sometimes that's true. And sometimes that's false. I was uh, reading Facebook, I go on Facebook about twice a week, and um, I was heartened by a post that Pastor Mark Mildred posted when 
he talked about he's got friends or family down in Florida and he was saying from the effects of Hurricane Michael the church was there the church was really there the church was relevant sometimes the church gets a lot of bad press and sometimes we deserve it but we don't always get the best press I got a message from my bishop this week Bishop Farr who's down in Puerto Rico via Case Island and he said Bob I want you to know that van that you purchased your church got is doing a lot of good I like to ask a question if Schweitzer went out of business yet tomorrow who would miss the church well besides us who would miss the church in this community and I think there'd be a whole lot of people that would miss the church but this is not to say that sometimes we are harsh or we're ingrown and we're not mindful in embracing all people however and wherever we find them this is where I think Paul writes and we're gonna look at Ephesians 4 today in, in, in the words about this this church and he writes these words as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy worthy of the calling you have received and he adds these words be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another let's leave those words out there for a moment sometimes I'm amazed at the harsher hard words that can come out of people's mouths that's part of the church or in the church and sometimes those words are coming out of my mouth and I need that I need that correction I need that sensitivity I need that reminder because the reality is that sometimes friends in a meat culture world I'm contributing to that meat culture and in my basement of my soul there's a green-headed monster multi-headed monster that's crying out feed me I want it my way I want to do my thing and I suspect that you've got that same monster in your soul so we're we're a church of imperfect people except for you and me and sometimes I wonder about you <laughs> so I need I need the reminder that I have a high calling and I have a tendency not to live up to it and I need to be like Jesus I need to be humble I need to be gentle and I need to bear with others in love why do I need the church well I need the church because I, I need to belong to a family now tonight Jim mentioned it down at Glen, Glendale Christian we're gathering and there's there's going to be non-denominational people there I love it the way uh, I'm not a part of denomination I'm a, I'm a non-denominational person and we're going to be some of those. And there's going to be some people that go by the name Christian. There's going to be there's going to be some Baptists there. That Red Tree Church down the road, they're Baptists. Did you know that? And there's going to be Methodists and and 
Church of Christ folk gathering in worship because once a month, we pastors of those five churches get together over at Panera. Jim's not the only one that can get to go to Panera. I get to go to Panera sometimes. And, and we talk and we have breakfast together. We have coffee together and we pray for each other. And one thing we don't want to do is we don't want to replicate what each other is doing. In other words, we're not in competition with each other. So we, we are family. So one big deal is I want to be a part of this whole big family that's made up of true believers all over the world. Uh, and I, I really celebrate that. That means more and more and more and more and more to me than it ever has. But I also want to be a part of a tribe, of a particular tribe, of a particular family. And I'm glad to be a part of this tribe, Schweitzer United Methodist Church. And every tribe has its own peculiarities and its own strengths and its own weaknesses. And just like there were 12 tribes in Israel, there's different tribes. And I'm a part of the Schweitzer tribe. And some of us have been a part of this tribe for a long time, and some of us are checking us out, and, and I get that. But I need to be a part of a particular family group. And within my family group at Schweitzer, I need to be a part of, of a smaller grouping of people. I need to be a part of some classes or some small groups, whether they're called life groups or covenant discipleship groups. And I need to be a part maybe even of bands, which is three to five people of the same gender that really get down to it. And some of us have been a part of the same group and some of the same classes for years or decades. And that's cool. But do you know it takes a good long year for any newcomer who intentionally is trying to find their place in the family of God. It takes them a good year and earnestness to find a new place for them. And some of us who've been a part of the same group or the same class for years, God may be calling us to go out of that and start a new place for new people because sometimes, friends, we love our friends more than we love Jesus. Or we love the people that we hang out with and we have this wonderful family more than we love the idea that new people need new friendships and need the family that we take for granted. That's the prophetic word of the day. I love the church. Make every effort, Paul says, to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This is the church. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called with one hope that you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it when you are with a group of people and you get it. I mean, there is a oneness there. And it comes over you. We really are family here. And that's an experience that I want everyone to have. Because I need family and everyone needs family too. I love the words of Mike. 
Pelavachi when he says, if you can't bleed in a hospital, where can you bleed? And if you can't cry in a church, where can you cry? You're safe. This is family. We are family. That's, that's who we want to be. And we want people to experience the family of God in this place. I need the church because I need, I need to belong to a family. I need the church because I want to put my, myself to work. I want to put my God-given strengths to work. When I first came to Schweitzer, I, I did a lot of gifts, spiritual gifts classes. We taught hundreds of people about their spiritual gifts. And the idea was that you find where your gift and your talent and your passion is so that you could unleash that and serve other people, benefit other people for the glory of God. That's the idea of spiritual gifts. When Paul says these words in Ephesians 4, we can find those words. He says, but to each one of us, grace, grace is given. Grace, the same word for grace is gifts. So God graces us with gifts. Every one of us in this room have assets, we have strengths, we have talents, we have abilities, we have a spiritual endowments from God that God has given as Christ has apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. So it's like opening up your gifts, your birthday gifts, your Christmas gifts on Christmas morning. So Christ himself gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, he gave the pastors, the teachers to do what? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So he's given all these five different gifts, but there's like nine gifts, or there's like 20 gifts. There's all kinds of spiritual gifts. And today, the language that is used is strength finders. And, and I love strength. How many of you have ever done strength finders? And it, it's really worth your time in, in finding out and discovering where you are the strongest. And there's five clues that I want to run past you real quick. And this is on your Schweitzer app if you want to go there, but you, you may want to write these down, but how do I find out where I'm gifted? How can I find my strengths? How can I begin to find the clues in which I am energized and I can put these, these gifts to work? Well, number one, yearning. What are the kind of activities that I'm naturally drawn to? This, these are not necessarily church activities. These are out there in the world. These are in your, in your place of business. This is in your, in your life, in, in your whole life. You're going to work life, your, your whole life experience. What am I just naturally drawn to? That's a great question, yearning. Number two, rapid learning. What kind of activities do I pick up quickly? What do I just naturally learn? And, and just, uh, it comes easy for me, flow. And what activities do you seem to automatically know the steps to take? In other words, I know it before the instructor tells me. I know what the natural flow and what next needs to happen next because that's the area in which I'm gifted and I'm alive. Four, glimpses of excellence. During what activities do I have the moments of success? Where do I find the fruit? When do I see these great outcomes coming from what I'm doing? Man, there's nothing like that when there's great outcomes because of something that you have brought to the table and energized other people with. And finally, five, satisfaction. What activities give me a kick? And you ask the, and you ask the question, when do I get to do that again? So this is, it's all about coming alive. 
And so I need a family, I need the church in which I can put myself to work, but I can take my gifts, my talents, my abilities to work when the church is gathered as well as when the church is scattered, right? Now, what keeps this from just becoming a human enterprise? What just keeps this from becoming a self-glorification kick? Well, there's a prayer. There's a prayer that keeps you from it, and there's a prayer I want you to learn today. Lord, use me. It's that prayer, just simple prayer. Lord, use me. You can pray that prayer every morning as you wake up. Lord, use me. You can pray that prayer in the shower. You can pray that prayer driving. You can pray that prayer at work. You can pray that prayer wherever you do life every day when you're going through a difficult time, when you're in a difficult conversation, when you're in a hard meeting. You pray that prayer, Lord, use me. When you're using your strengths and your talents and your abilities, it's Lord, use me. It's all about activating the power of God in your life for the glory of God and not for yourself. And so I want to invite you right now, wherever you are, those who want to, to stand. I'm going to invite you when I point to you to say, where is it you want the Lord to use you? It could be your vocation. It could be where you spend your time in the community. It could be on this campus. It could be in your home life, wherever it is. I'm just going to invite you to stand where you are. And in a, in a big room like this, I'm going to invite you to use your outdoor voice and say as loud as you can what it is that you really want God to unleash his power and use you for. Okay, so just stand where you are and do it now because I'll look silly if nobody does. All right, I'm going to point to you. I want you to say what your vocation is or what you, what, whatever, wherever it is you want the Lord to use you, and then we're just going to pray, Lord, use me. Yeah, chance. Lance, <laughs> one sentence, being a better leader in my household and my family, Lord use me, Jim, education, well, y'all want to pray that with me, Lord use me, thank you sir, in all my daily activities, Lord use me, hospital ministry, Lord use me. Y'all aren't praying with me. Yes. For my children, Lord, use me. At work with my teammates, thank you. Lord, use me. Yes. Lynn. In my stores as a business leader, Lord, use me. Anything creative, Lord, use me. Yes, sir. When working with others, Lord, use me. I want people to see God. Lord, use me. For this body and anything else I'm given charge of, Lord, use me. That may seem like a really silly exercise that we just did but when you begin to pray that prayer that moves it from a theoretical nice thought to a real prayer of the heart and if you begin to pray that prayer daily your life is going to change and you're going to come more alive and the gifts and talents and abilities that you have in you are going to come more alive 
and God's going to activate his power and his strength in your life. And I need the church to be scattered in this world. I need to know when we're experiencing so much brokenness in life and, and culture and society, I need to know that in all those places that were named here this morning, there are people who are praying, Lord, use me. Well, I need to also, I need the church because I need a place to grow up. Let's look at the words of Paul once again in Ephesians 4 where Paul says, Until we all reach the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. If we could leave those words up there just for a moment. How is it that we mature? How do we grow up? The scripture says that we do this in the knowledge of the Son of God. We are living in a time of great knowledge. You can Google anything. You can find all kinds of information about lots of stuff. But we are living in a time that is lacking the knowledge of God. The saddest words of Scripture to me are words that God brought to my heart yesterday. And God says this many times in the Psalms. He says it many times to the prophets. He says, uh, my people have forgotten me. My people have forgotten me. See, the knowledge of God is not about just knowing about God. It's not about knowing all the right things about God. It's knowing God in a personal way. The Hebrew word for knowing is, is used for intimate relationships. So in the Old Testament, when it's describing how he knew her, she knew him in sexual relationships, the same Hebrew word is used in the way in which we can know God. It's not about getting sexually kinky with God. It's about this intimate, close, upfront relationship with God. And what we are dying to have more of is knowledge of God. And there is a complacency in the church, and there's a complacency in many people who no longer want more. KJ said it earlier in worship. That for those of us who feel distant from God, and by golly, that is not something to be ashamed of because it's a reality in our life. When we feel distant from God, we need to still step in, still need to press in. And for those of us who are feeling close to God, by golly, I want more. The greatest insult you can say to your, your spouse or your significant other or your deep friend, I've got you figured out. There's nothing more about you that I need to know. We, we need the knowledge of God in a way that's more than just about a set of facts about God. We need to know God. We need to press in and have that intimate, upfront, close relationship with God that just continues to grow. Because we are living in a time when so many people in the church as well as the culture have no knowledge of God. Let's move on to the next scripture. <laughs> and we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown about here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemings. You know, one of the things that Susan and I just got recently is a new Subaru Outback. 
Susan has four girlfriends that had Subarus, and so by golly, we were going to get a Subaru. And I'm really glad we did. And this Outback, man, it is a step up from my 2006 Honda, I gotta say. I mean, it's amazing what technology has done in 13 years. Uh, you can drive down the road. I mean, I, it, it's just like the eye camera tells you when you're going to hit somebody, when you back up. I mean, there's blinkers, there's whistles. You, you get in your own, out of your own lane, tells you you're veering off here. I mean, there's blind spots. There's a compass on the rear, on the, on the window, on the mirror. It's, it's, it's incredible. I am much safer to drive, which means you are much safer to drive because I am driving this car. Paul's saying, I need the church. I need brothers and sisters to help me. No one I'm veering off in another lane. And I'm, I'm about to run over somebody. I need people to speak truth into my life. And a car and a phone and a robot doesn't cut it. Some of us have a closer relationship with the machine than we do any other human being. And the church is designed to be that for each other. I want that. And so instead, speaking the truth in love, isn't this beautiful? I need truth and I need love. I need both. I don't need one or the other. I need both. But speaking the truth in love, we will and all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I need Jesus. I need the head. I need, as the body of Christ, I need to be connected to the head. I need, I need the knowledge and the wisdom and the truth of Jesus permeating through me. J.D. Walt, in writing the daily text about a month ago, said some words that I think is just so true of Jesus and, and, and tells us so much about what this passage is about. If we could have those words on the screen. Two things are always simultaneously true of Jesus. Then... And now, he never hesitates to call sin, sin. And he never hesitates to embrace people. The only two things Jesus cannot abide is calling sin, not sin. Because that's brokenness, right? That's missing the mark. That's disobedience. That's destructive. How could a loving Savior not call sin, sin? And failing to embrace people, no matter who they are, what they are, what they've done. When sin is called not sin, it's akin to looking at a malignant tumor and calling it benign. And failing to embrace people and love people and accept people wherever they are and however we find them. It's failing to emulate the Jesus we know 
and the world must know. So why do I need the church? I need the church because I, I need to belong to a family. The band members can start coming up. I, I need the church because I want to put my stuff to work for the glory of God. And I need the church because I want to grow up and mature in Christ. When I was a baby, I needed the church. I'm a twin, and my mother had, she needed some people to hold us, if nothing else. When I was in my childhood, I needed the church to figure out who Jesus was. When I was a teenager, I needed the church to help me figure out who I was. In my 20s, I needed the church to keep me focused on my true identity. When I got married, I needed the church. When Susan and I started raising kids, boy, do we ever need the church. And we were up against it in so many different ways and didn't know what to do as parents. We needed the church. We messed up and we had loved ones die. We needed the church. When I get up on a Sunday, I need a church to go to and worship God. And when I'm in retirement, I'm going to need the church. And when I'm old and sick and dying, I'm going to need the church. And I'm going to need Jesus. I'm going to need people who love me to remind me of the one who just didn't die for me, but died for the church and died for the world. I need the church.